is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? And I wanted to take a break from the series I've been going through on how to keep the holy days of God. I want to talk about the coronavirus a little bit today. You know, I read something recently. It said, how could God allow this to happen to us? You know, and, you know, it's, it's as if, you know, a lot of people worship a God where I'm okay with God as long as there's nothing bad in my life. But the moment something bad happens, I can't handle this relationship with God. And there's a verse in Romans 8 and verse 28 that says this. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So what this verse tells us is, is several things here. Number one, if you are called according to his purpose. And that involves a calling, it involves repentance, it involves receiving the Spirit of God, and there is a way for you to receive the Spirit of God. It's not something that you're born with, but if you are called and uh, called according to His purpose, then all things will work together for your good. This verse does not say all things you are going through will be good. I think that's where a lot of people mess up here. You know, obviously, sickness. Uh, the death of a loved one, viruses that you can get, uh, financial problems, uh, divorce, you know, all the negative things that, that, that we can go through, they're not good. But God can make all these things, including the bad things, work together for your good. And that's what this verse, verse is saying. So I want to look at, first of all, could the coronavirus been avoided? And I think the answer to that is yes, and I think the Bible tells us how to avoid a lot of diseases, uh, viruses that we get, and passing these viruses around. The verse I'm talking about is referring to the dietary laws of God. In Leviticus 11 and verse 2, it says, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which you shall eat among the beasts that are on the earth. And it goes through, to this point, it begins to go through a list of clean and unclean beasts that you can eat. The unclean are referred to as scavengers. You know, you don't eat the scavenger. And you, might, you want to ask, well, why? Why did God set this in place? Is there a reason? reason? Is there something that we can avoid if we kept the dietary laws? Now, I don't know if you realize this, but in America, most of you keep about 85% of these dietary laws, even though you've never had this explained to you at church. The, the minister is not about to turn to this verse. I can guarantee you that he's not going to go to Levit Leviticus 11 and verse 2 and talk about clean and unclean meats. He's just not going to do it. So you've been in church 40 or 50 years. You've never heard a message preached from probably the Old Testament, especially the food laws. So he's not going to go there. But my point is, most Americans keep about 85% of these dietary laws already. You don't eat rats. You don't eat snakes. You don't eat 
bats. You don't eat cats. <laughs> hey, that rhymes. Uh, bats and cats. Uh, you, you don't eat dogs or anything like that. You don't eat horse meat, you know. And so you're already keeping a lot of these dietary laws already. Now, you're not keeping them all, but you're keeping the biggest part of them. Now, over in China, and if you want to see this, you can go to my Facebook page, David Freeman, just, just look me up, and I'll put, repost that so it'll be at the top. But it's a marketplace over there where, and it reveals the kind of diet that they are eating. They eat, these are some of the nastiest places on earth. I mean, it's a, like a slaughterhouse that you can walk through. They're selling snakes, they're selling rats, they're selling bats. They're selling dogs, and you can see blood all over the place where they've killed a cat or a dog or whatever. And this is the diet of these people. Now, this is not the first time that we've contracted a virus from over there, from China. But I'm just saying you are what you eat, and these unclean scavenger meat that people eat, obviously there's a cause and an effect to that. There are diseases that you can get. There are, I believe, viruses that you can get from eating these unclean beasts that God says don't eat them. And so we're dealing with this once again, you know, uh, a, a contagious virus that is going around. So I, I personally believe that by keeping one law, yes, just one, okay, one of God's law, this whole thing could have been avoided. And a lot of sickness and a lot of diseases that we have could, been, could be avoided by keeping, get this, by keeping one of God's laws. And I'm talking about the dietary laws. It's amazing. And I tell you what else is amazing is that you don't hear about this in church. Why do you even go to church? I mean, is it, you know, do you go for the purpose of Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Man, that's good preaching right there. Boy, I've heard, I've heard that 50, for 50 years straight in a row, but man, that's some heavy-duty preaching right there. Why do you go to church if it's not to be corrected, if it's not to learn about how God says to live your life and how you can avoid a lot of these things that are bad coming down the pike? And we're just at the beginning of this stage, by the way. I mean, there's just a lot more to come, I can guarantee you that. Because we're hard-headed, we won't listen to God's laws, you know, and they're not preached at church anyway. Now, I want to talk about some of the good things that I see from this coronavirus. And um, number one, and this may not be a good thing, but it is good as a whole, as a nation. It has revealed the character flaws of our people. You know, fear... Hoarding, which is just born out of fear right there, you know, fear of death. All of this, it's revealed our carnality, you know, our total carnality. Whether you're religious or not, if you're religious, you still fit in the same category. The fear of what if, you know, uh, I might die, you know. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it God's will for you to catch the coronavirus and die? Well, you know, if it is, I got good news and bad news. Uh, if it's God's will for you to catch this and die, number one, you are going to die. The good news is you will be resurrected. That's the good news. Yeah, you will die if it's God's will. But do you believe? You know, as I go about my life, I don't believe it's God's will that I, that, that I get this coronavirus, at least not now anyway. Uh, I just don't believe that. And, but there's, there seems to be a lot of people that obviously believe that, yeah, it might be God's will that I, that I catch this and kick the bucket. And besides, I mean, think about this. What's wrong with you dying? 
what's wrong? Now, I didn't say what's wrong if your loved one dies. I said, what's wrong with you dying? I mean, after all, I mean, you die, you don't have to worry about taxes. You don't have to worry over your children. You don't have to worry about finances. There's a lot you don't have to worry about when you die. But do you not have any faith? Do you not believe in the resurrection of the dead? Do you not believe? I mean, are you carnal? Are you totally carnal? You know, living in fear, living in, you know, you're hoarding everything, toilet paper, which it doesn't make any sense. Uh, uh, you know, you're hoarding, you're living in fear, and you don't enjoy life because you're living in fear. You know, what? this is rank, complete, carnal mind. This is the carnal mind, you know, and it's not, nothing spiritual about it. It's nothing that resembles a relationship with God. So, so as God goes down his checklist of, of what he's learned from the coronavirus, at least our response, he says, man, these people are carnal to the core. Uh, another character flaw that, that I've seen with this, what this virus has revealed is I, I never realized until this has happened how much our economy and everything about our economy is dependent on how, how, we, how much we entertain ourselves. Now, I just never realized this. I mean, it's, well, the, we can't go to the NASCAR. Well, we can't go to the concert. Well, we can't go to the gatherings. We can't go to the football game. Well, we can't go to the basketball game. Well, we can't go out to eat. And we're going to go out to eat tonight. And then we're going to catch a movie after that. And we're going to eat uh, popcorn and milk duds and, and, and cotton candy. And then after that, we're going to go to Sweet Frogs and get something sweet. And then the next evening, we're going to repeat it all over again. We're going to go back out to the restaurant again and eat. I never realized how much... America depends on, our economy depends on us entertaining ourselves continuously, 24-7. And it really dawned on me, one time we, we went to Smith Mountain Lake to, to the dam to have a picnic. It was a major holiday and we were about the only ones there. There was one other couple there. And I thought to myself, people don't do this anymore. Families don't get together and go on picnics anymore. Why? What are the children doing? They're entertaining themselves with their cell phone and with their iPad, iPads. That's all we do is just entertain ourselves now. And our economy depends on it, you know? I mean, do you realize there are grown-ups? Listen, listen to me. Grown-ups who watch and pay money to see professional wrestling you know, the WWE bro. There are people, mature people, I don't know how mature they are, but there are people who pay money to see that garbage. I'm, I'm, t I'm telling you, I'm not, I know you don't want to believe that, but I'm telling you the truth. There are people who will go to a, a karaoke to watch drunk people and listen to drunk people sing. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I mean, listen to me. Anytime you see a man singing in public, unless he's a professional singer, now that I understand, but, but anytime you see the guy, you know, grab the mic, carry it, and go, I can guarantee you he is drunk as a skunk. I mean, he's totally wasted. He wouldn't be, if he was, if he was sober, he wouldn't be making a complete fool of himself or herself. I mean, it's the, ter but people pay money for this. We have an obsession with entertaining ourselves. We, we really do. And our whole economy is based on us entertaining ourselves. Isaiah 55 and verse 1 says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the water. He that has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. 
Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So what is God saying? You know, he's saying, look, get over your obsession. As God goes down his checklist and says, now, what have I learned from the coronavirus about human beings, about us in America? He says, look, why, why do you have this obsession about entertaining yourself 24-7? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Why? You go to the comedy club, and, and yeah, it may be funny or it may not be. It may be some kind of vulgar filth, a prurient interest or whatever. But you laugh, and then you go home, and the pain is still there. Well, what is it? Well, you know, God is saying, look, get over this concept, this idea that you've got to entertain yourself 24-7. How about trying to enter into a real relationship with me, study about me through creation, get close to the land, get close to my creation, and learn of me and, and, and feed from what truly satisfies instead of entertaining yourself 24-7. Next thing we've learned from the, 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 the coronavirus is that they're telling us social distancing to isolate yourself from other people. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I've been isolating myself from people for 57 years. I mean, it comes natural to me. My ideas of fun and entertaining myself is to get on my dirt bike, my own off-road bike, and to ride it up to uh, Turkey Cock Mountain. Yeah, Turkey Cock Mountain, about five miles deep into the, on a trail about that wide, deep into the mountain. There is nothing there. There's just wildlife and nature, and I love it. I love it. I should have been a hermit or something. I mean, I could, I could never see another person and be totally satisfied with myself. I mean, I just, social distancing comes natural to me. But the Bible speaks about this issue. Isaiah 5 and verse 8, Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, till there be no place, notice that, no place, that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. Yeah, why are you doing this? Why are you living? And where is the greatest threat of the coronavirus? What's in like in New York, where people, house upon house, building upon building, skyscraper upon building, Micah 4 and verse 4 says this. It says, But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. Now this is millennial setting. This is talking about when the kingdom of God is established on this earth, and everybody's going to have their own piece of land. Yeah, and you're going to walk out on your front porch and look around and not see anything. No other houses, nothing. You know, just... just open landscape and beautiful you know, birds singing, trees, God's creation is what you're going to see. You know, and it reminds me of that song, When It All Goes South. I think it was by Alabama. You know, it's a song about people living up north and they're, you know, and they, he sells his apartment, he sells his SUV or whatever, and he comes and he, and he buys a shack somewhere out in the middle of nowhere just to get away from it all. Yeah, social distancing. And there's a spiritual side to this. Revelation 18, 18 and verse 4 says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not her plagues. 
Oh boy, plagues, huh? Yeah, well, come out of her, my people. You know, and it was Zig Ziglar that said, he was talking about child rearing. He said, you know, children get on drugs to the degree that they're hanging out with other kids on drugs. Children practice promiscuous sex to the degree that they're hanging out with other kids doing the same thing. And it's, it's, it's true in our society. We practice sin the more we hang out with sinners, you know, I, I guess, although I'm not saying I think we should try to reach the sinner. But when we begin to mimic and we just fit right in and there is no difference, you know. James 4 and verse 4, it says, You adulterers and adulteress, know you not that the friendship of the world is the enmity, is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So what is God saying when it comes to social distancing? He's saying, look, it's a good thing. Consider your relationships. Consider your addiction to other people and why you need so many people around you, you know. Get free. Realize that the world is, to a large degree, the friend of this world is the enemy of God. Social distancing is a good thing. It can save your life. It can save your life. Another thing I've, that they're saying about this coronavirus is that parents may have to teach their children at home. They're talking about like a homeschooling. I thought, well, boy, I bet that's a shock. You know, parents end up killing their kids, you know. But, you know, we, uh, me and my wife, we homeschooled our daughter. We made that decision long ago. And the school board wants to, to, to know our intent for homeschooling. And I said, look, I wrote them a nice letter. I said, look, sending my daughter to school would be like taking her to the zoo every day, throwing her in a cage full of monkeys and saying, now you can look at these monkeys, you can watch these monkeys, but don't do what these monkeys are doing. I never got a response back from the school board, but that's, that was the, the, the concept of it. And what am I saying? I'm saying most kids act like wild monkeys is what I'm saying. You can't take them out in public. They are an embarrassment at a restaurant. They have no respect. They have no self-respect. They're acting like wild monkeys. And I'm just saying that that, that, that was the reason. I mean, what do you expect? You, you throw, well, let's take a look at what the Bible says about this issue of teaching your kids at home. It's in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, how? How are we going to do this and how are we going to love God? How are we going to teach our kids, to, children to love God with all their heart and soul and mind and all their might? Well, it continues on in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6. And all these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. Okay, what words? And you shall teach them diligently unto your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them for a sign upon thy hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them upon the posts of the house and on your gates. So what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about the Ten Commandments, teaching your kids the Ten Commandments. Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you think you're going to hand this over to the government or to, to the public school system to do this for you, you are kidding yourself. I mean, if you think you can throw your kids into this cage full of monkeys where they talk about all the perverted stuff of sexual interest and, and perversion and cursing in God's name in vain, and you put them into that public system, and then you think 30 minutes one day a week at church is going to correct all that, is going to change all that, is going to change that mindset, 
You're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. Absolutely. You're playing a fool's game if you believe that. Next thing that has come about by the coronavirus that is a good thing, people are not meeting at church. Uh, they've been told to stay home, you know, and it's probably a good idea, especially if you've got a large church, um, you know, and you got elderly in that church and, and, and they may get sick or, you know, that, that, that's probably a good thing. But my point is this, you need a break. America needs a break from church because for the past 40 years of church going, all you're hearing is pablum from the pulpits. You know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. So that's basically what you hear. You're hearing what's been repeated in seminary school, just the same old lies that they learn in seminary school. It's just a repeat of it all. It's basically baby food. Now, would God tell us ever to, to quit going to church for a while? Yeah, he would. Isaiah 1 and verse 13, I'm reading from the Message Bible. It says, quit your worship charades. I can't stand your trivial religious games. Monthly conferences, weekly Sabbath, special meetings, meeting, meetings, meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this, meeting, meetings for that. I hate them. You're, you've worn me out. I'm sick of your religion, religion, religion. While you go right on sinning. Why is God sick of our religion? Because we go right on sinning. It's not, we don't go to church to be corrected. We don't go to church to, for self-reflection and self-correction and to change the way we are living. And we keep going on sinning, sinning, sinning. You know, I, 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 I've seen marriage couple, married couples who could not get enough of church going. They wouldn't miss a service if their life depended on it. And they hated each other. They absolutely hated each other. What they needed was to quit the church and go get some professional marriage counseling. That's what they needed. Forget the church. Go get you some professional marriage counseling. You know, now, now I, I'm, I'm not a marriage counselor. I don't know. You know, the, the few times I've tried to counsel people in marriage with marital problems, I realize both are lying through their teeth. And that's part of being a professional marriage counselor is you get to the root of the matter. You get to the truth. And you uncover their lies. And then at that point, they quit going to the marriage counseling because no one wants to accept the truth about themselves. But I'm just saying, we just keep this routine. Church is like you've got to open gas. You've got a, a major artery bleeding, and we go to church and put a Band-Aid on it. It's a temporary fix, almost like a drug fix. And it lasts me six days, and then I go back to church and do it all over, do it all over again. You know, I mean, and, and notice what this verse says, Isaiah 1 and verse 15. When you put on your next prayer performance, I'll be looking the other way. No matter how long or loud or often you pray, I'm, I, I'm not listening. And do you know why? Because you have been tearing piece, uh, people to, pit, to pieces and your hands are bloody. So what is God saying? He's saying, look, take a break from your hypocrisy. Get your act together. And then come back to church. So I think a break from church is actually a good thing uh, because people have often substituted church, church going for a relationship with God. And the two are not the same. The two are not the same. Well, I've been going to church. Well, I hadn't missed a service in 40 years. It doesn't mean anything. Most people are addicted to going to church and they have substituted, you know, church going and religion for an intimate, personal relationship with God. Next thing I've seen from this coronavirus is loss of creativity and the ability to, to improvise. You know, it's like our dependency is on Walmart. 
you know, and, and you know, I mean, listen to me, listen. We have sent, we've, we can build rock, America has built rocket ships and sent men to the moon and back, but we can't figure out a way, an alternative way to wipe our rear ends without toilet paper. I mean, this is pathetic, and the toilet paper thing don't even make any sense. It, it's, it's a respiratory virus. It has nothing to do with diarrhea. But, you know, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense, you know. Uh, the French have been using a bidet for, for in the, seven, the royal family uh, back in 1710, I believe, they came up with that, you know, uh, the bidet. Get you a water, buy you a long water hose, go out in the woods and, and, and do whatever you got to do. But it's just amazing that we can't figure this stuff out, to, no way to improvise. So as I look at this and I think of God going down his checklist, he, go, he comes and he says, okay, no creativity. They cannot improvise. They're totally, their lives totally depend on Walmart, you know, all these negative things. They've substituted going to church uh, uh, instead of a relationship with me. And listen, I have a whole program on how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. I can send that to you free of charge. Most churches would charge $60 for this program. It's an extensive program. How to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. It's a program I created five years ago because I realized what was going on. People were substituting a personal relationship with God for church and religion. Okay, so God goes down his church list and he says, look, goes, excuse me, goes down his list of what he has learned about people from the, the coronavirus. And he says, look, they have failed to teach their children at home my laws. They're unwilling to distance themselves socially from the sins of our nation as he goes down his checklist. They spend all their money for that which is not bread and that which does not satisfy. All they want to do is entertain themselves. Men without souls is what we have. And America, yeah, America, all she wants to do is dance. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.